You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Dr. Eric Mason is the founder and senior pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, PA. He is also the founder and president of Thriving, which is a urban ministry organization committed to training leaders in ministry in cities locally, nationally, and internationally. Dr. Mason is the author of Manhood Restored, a leadership kit and study guide, Beat God to the Punch, Unleashed, and Woke Church, and his newest is Urban Apologetics. Dr. Mason has contributed to multiple publications that serve the body of Christ. He received his BS in psychology from Boys State University. He later went on to earn his Master of Theology at Dallas Theological Seminary and then later earning his doctorate at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He is also a foodie and a coffee snob and he enjoys reading, writing, art, and shopping for style. So let's welcome Dr. Mason to the Be The Bridge community. I want to talk a, a little bit about your your book, but also just um, just some of the conversations you've been having. Like I started following you um, actually, when, I think when I was in Texas, because um, I was looking for, <laughs> I needed some black pastors in my life. <laughs> and I was listening to you and a couple other people um, that I was listening to. And so even before you did like woke church and all that stuff. So I see people, I, I, your picture popping up everywhere. So yeah. somebody's banner, you speaking somewhere doing something. Oh, and so, and no. so I, I ended up going to your page. Uh-huh. I said, who is this sister? <laughs> and I went over to, I said, she everywhere. And um, I went to uh, uh, your page uh-huh. and you was following me. I was like, oh, I feel special. I said, big time sister. I don't know who she is, but I'm going to find out. And so then I started checking in. And so I've been following about. you, listening to your service and everything. <laughs> and so look, when you asked look. me on, I was like, they, they use because people ask you for podcasts all the time now. Uh-huh. And when they said, they said, Tasha, what, Natasha, what you do a podcast? I said, man, just, just schedule it. You ain't even got to <laughs> go through no process. I'm going to be on there. <laughs> I'm going to be on there because I, I, I like what God is doing. So Yeah, 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 yeah. me too. Mm-hmm. I feel it. it's just for such a time as this. Then I found out we're the same age. Wow, 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 I know. Wow, when, wow. You, when you were, um, uh, <clears throat> oh, I was reading something. Oh, you know, I think it was on Instagram you posted. I was like, oh, my God, we're about the same age around our birthdays around the same time. Yeah, yeah, And I was yeah. like, that's what it is. I, 1973. It's that, Hallelujah, yes, God. Yes. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, that, yeah. It's that Gen X. It's that Gen that X. Gen X. <laughs> that Gen X. Mm-hmm. We still ha- trying to hold it down now. They, they don't try to give us credit for what we done created now. Listen, listen we the last folks standing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, anyway, tell our audience a little bit about who you are um, and just a little bit of y- your background and where you're um, pastoring um, now. Yeah. Yeah, so my name is uh, Eric Mason. I've been married for almost 24 years. I have four living children, and um, I've been in ministry for 27, going on 28 years. So I I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., grew up Mm -hmm. during the crack era, of course, like most people in my generation, and um, the post-heroin crack era, PCP, all that. uh, became a Christian uh, in college, mm-hmm. second year of college, and got my call in the ministry a few uh, a year after that, and uh, and so I planted a church. Uh, it'll be fifteen years planted next month. Next uh, uh, September seventeenth mm-hmm. will be um, our fifteenth anniversary as a church. Planted this church in the inner city of Philadelphia, uh, and uh, we planted helped plant forty four churches from. Malawi, Africa to South Central LA. Okay. Um, written five books and okay. I'm excited to be here. Yep. You've been busy. A little something. I a know. A little something. <laughs> I was talking to one of my friends and I, I was saying, yeah, I have a couple podcasts to record. And, you know, and then she was like, well, you know, who's going to be on your podcast? And I said, um, Dr. Mason. She's talking about Dr. Eric Mason? D. Eric Mason? Hilarious. <laughs> and, I know, and I was like, D. Eric Mason? She's talking about the one, the book. Urban Apologetics, and she actually, um, she actually read your book, and she was telling me that her son, he just went off. He's a freshman in college in Ohio, and she wow. had him read the book, and he loved it so much. It like connected with him. He's a he's an intellectual, and he, and it really yeah. connected with him that he's really rethinking. Like, like God is just like okay, what what direction I want to go into because he loves yeah. conversations and, and just the, the conversations that um, you're having. Um, there are other people now having them, but it's so needed. Like your work is so needed. Your oh, church is so needed. Your books are so needed. And so um, it's incredible to, to, to have you on here and just to get to, to share you with the Be The Bridge audience. And so- yeah, you yeah. um so you planted a church and um you just wrote this book about urban apologetics and at first when yeah, I read boom. it I was like <laughs> I was like okay urban apologetics that's going to give like people, why do they always got to divide us up you know what I'm saying you know I was thinking but then when you broke that down because you know like we always think of urban as a place you know mm-hmm. yes. um, but urban is really not a place and and you explained it you said urban is really um a culture now and Absolutely. you see, and I was like, that's that Gen X talking right there. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, yeah. it is so needed. And um, and just, you know, how you you communicate um, with our community, specifically also the black community, um, you know, um, and just the, the knowledge that you drop on your Instagram and, and all the things. And so um, you said restoring black di- dignity with the gospel. Um, why did you write this book? Well, again, thank you for having me on. appreciate uh-huh. all the work you are doing. So, yeah, so writing this book was really the book I would have wanted when I became a Christian. Mm. Uh, because you, I, I know you remember. Uh, it, it, would, it was like to be a Christian on a college campus in the early 90s. 
And I went to an HBCU. You and know. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was hard among even what, what HBCU or, 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 you know, general population university, yeah. it, you know, among African-Americans, the way hip-hop was against Christianity back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Tribe Called Quest, Leaders of the New School, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Public Enemy. You know, you had all, and, and they were, they they weren't just five percenters or about, you know, b- blackness. They were anti-Christian. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy during that time. And, yeah. <clears throat> and then from the black exploitation movies in the seventies, all the way up into the shows we had, the preacher, the black preacher was always presented as the shysty joker, yep. you know? Uh-huh. And so they, they were, and so, and so all the way up until now, you know, every 20 to 30 years, you have this kind of awareness of black people have this racial awareness that, mm. oh, things haven't changed, really, you know? Uh-huh, and so yeah. it's kind of, that's not just Christian. I'm just talking about in general, in general global yeah. black people, the pan-African populace pretty much is like, oh, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. And so um, what ends up happening, though, is it goes it goes on a curve and then it kind of dies. And you'll have mm-hmm. some people during the non I'll say I'll say conscious period, if you will, black consciousness period, uh-huh. where um, they seem weird. Why you got on the dashiki? Why you always seeing? And but now, like it's it's like everybody's like that. You remember you yeah. used to make fun of the people on the show, like Living Single had to do. It was like yeah. my brother, my you know you know that was kind of like, like the, oh good times, oh good times, little <laughs> yes. Michael. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Michael was woke. <laughs> he was he was he was wokeified, and listen, yeah. and, and, and so. And so that type of person was always like, oh, you know, yeah. but now because of the Internet, mm-hmm. issues have more of a long shelf life. Yeah. And true. one of the things that's had a long, longer shelf life for us as African-Americans is the racial divide in the world and the uh-huh. racial divide in the church. Okay. And and so what's end up happening, there's a lot of what's going on called deconstruction. So you got yeah. people that are deconstructing their faith cross ethnically. But yeah. we, but everybody is deconstructing for different reasons, right? Right. Um, and so I think in black culture, African-American culture, or pan-African culture, if I could say that, mm-hmm. um, the deconstruction surrounds the way Christianity was given to us, mm-hmm. the color of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, 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 what, who were we prior to the uh, transatlantic slave trade, uh, and the church's complicitness in racism, Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you be, when 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 that began happening, you got mystery cults like Hebrew Israelites, Nuwapians, uh, uh, um, um, Noble Drew Ali's group, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a Morris Temple of Science. You have Kemetic Science. You have mm-hmm. Nation of Islam, which is huge yeah. in the sense of it's not numbers but influence. And yeah. so and it's influencing just the general pop. Like like Malcolm X did a number on the black culture with how he engaged issues that needed to be said, but then he brought another spiritual component to it. And mm-hmm. uh, and so because of that, um, we felt like because of that, that's a response to dignity destruction. You asked me, why did, we call, why did I write the book? And we're talking about restoring black dignity with the gospel. So all of these groups are doing what the church is supposed to do for all people, and particularly those who've had any type of dignity destruction. The gospel mm-hmm. restores all people's dignity. Mm-hmm. It makes us fully in the image of God through being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That, as You know, he predestined us. Romans 8, 29, he predestined us right. to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's God's goal for his people. 
Mm-hmm. And in our, and so he but he redeems our souls, but he also redeems our humanity. And one of right. the undertaught things in the church is 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 humanity redemption. We only see humanity redemption like in sex trafficking or in third world countries, but we never think about it in America and how blacks we were put into slavery uh, for two hundred and fifty six years, removed from physical slavery mm. without any counseling, like right. No. no counseling. Like, like, forget about economic plan. <clears throat> we were, I mean, no, I mean, if a, if somebody got raped, Lord God forbid, right now, mm-hmm. we would take them to the hospital. We would make mm-hmm. sure they had what they, you know, we got evidence. We we would have a social worker in there. We have a psychologist yeah. in there. We may yeah. even have a, a preacher in there, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then, and then from there, then we would set them up with counseling. The people yeah. who, the person who did it would be looked for. They would get sued. Yeah. Like, and so we got out of we got out of years of slavery right. with no follow up plan. Nothing. And 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 we and so that type of trauma was generationally handed down. Plus, it was compounded trauma with black codes during the during Reconstruction. Yeah. And then and then and then post that was Jim Crow, and mm-hmm. then systemic racism, whether you believe it or not, still exists. And so all of those things, because of the fall, is still weaved into different fabrics of our society as a system. So when I say that, I, I can hear my white brothers and sisters saying, are you calling me a racist? I'm not, I'm, no, racism mm-hmm. is not about individual racism. It's right. about, it's about, it's, it's place in systems. And so, right. um, and so, and so it's not about saying, am I a racist? Are you, no, we're not saying every white person is a racist. We're just right. saying it's in the systems. And so right. that effect has affected black people. Like you can act like racism doesn't exist all you want, but black people, our reaction out of the 24 million or how many of us are in America, there's a major reaction. And there are, there are, there are slews of African-Americans that don't see Christianity anymore. Like I know most people say, man, you black, you at least grew up in the church. That's like, nobody. this generation don't have a praying grandmother. Mm, right. Like when we say you, you, somebody had a praying yeah. grandmother. Yeah. Their yeah. grandmother left, wasn't, wasn't in the church because she left the church and she was made to go to church every day. And so as the generations come, they're getting further and further away from the the the, mm. the former black narrative of generations like ours, the boomers yeah. and busters in, the, in them, right? And so yeah. writing the book was very important because it became, I mean, it's, it's, it's multi-millions of views online between YouTube and memes yes. on Instagram and TikToks about issues with Christianity and black dignity. So... That's a long answer. <laughs> no, but that's a good answer. I mean, because that's true. Because, like, I didn't necessarily grow up in the church, but it was my grandparents that took me to church. Mm-hmm. And people don't have that. And as we move further and further away from that, like, um, that is the thing that that I when we when we talk about um, African Americans, that is the thing that has kept us. You know, because when we look at the abuse and the oppressive oppressiveness um that uh you know people in the church had on black bodies mm-hmm. you, it, but there was just something that they connected to that was different like they the, the spiritual side of this so you because you think Absolutely. about Bridget Douglas like you know like he would really say you know what I'm saying like and all right. he saw what he was seeing in other Christians the people that were saying they were Christians he saw abusive. I mean, he even talks about that. And you think about Harriet Tubman, like, you know, I'm just being led by the spirit. So yeah, um, yeah. that's that's 
that's really good. Um, and so what are what are some of the things that you would like to see people learn from this book and to be able to um, take with them? Great question. <clears throat> One of the main things I wrote it for was for Christians to have answers. Mm. What, 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 what ends up happening a lot of times is apostasy many times is not an event, it's a process. Mm. And um, or waywardness, we can call it, mm. the old church used to call it backsliding, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's a process usually mm -hmm. uh, of, de of slowly the enemy deconstructing you from connection to the faith. Now, I believe in eternal security, so, I, you know, but I'm just talking about people who may be tares but are near to the kingdom that we need to engage. Many mm -hmm. people ask questions like, why did God, how do you ask somebody, why did God let us go through slavery? Um, mm -hmm. Why do black people everywhere seem to suffer? Mm -hmm. We got to answer, you got that, we got to answer that yeah. question, you know, right. Mm -hmm. um, and writing, writing it for those reasons so that Christians can have answers for themselves, but also mm -hmm. for evangelism. I also wrote it for the non-Christian, for the non-Christian who wants to, in, in these, in those different mystery cults, <clears throat> to begin to read, which they are, um, mm -hmm. and, and they're reading it and they're being like, man, this is the first time I got an answer for this thing. Like, for instance, you know, a person getting an answer about um, our, you know, Christianity was, was uh, stolen from Egypt. And they got all yeah. these memes out there about Jesus is Mithra and, and you know, Osiris and all these different things. Yeah. And so people, there, there are videos out there, but you need something in print as well. And so answering right. those questions. But then what, what's been a very interesting, um, and particularly for your audience, this is interesting that a lot of white brothers and sisters are reading the book and they hit me up and they said, I had no idea black people dealt with this stuff. And they said, mm -hmm. now we, now I'm looking at your book, Woke Church, totally different because yeah. they said, they said, now I, I didn't agree with, I didn't even read the book. I just didn't like the title. But now that I'm seeing what the impact that racism has had on the black community, I'm reading your book in tears because I didn't know that these mystery costs were drawing people away because the church refused to invest gospel dignity into mm -hmm. African-Americans. In we, we were complicit in racism instead of joining our black brothers and sisters in making sure that the substandard way that they have been treated in the Western Hemisphere would be upgraded by us investing our resources mm -hmm. and our ministries into gospel transformation, not only of their souls, but of their bodies and of their environments and of their mm. mental health and of their mm. environment. So I think that's very, very important. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to come back to the fact that folk like to talk about a book that they haven't read, but we'll come back to that as for another conversation. Because <laughs> that is the case, let me tell you. I know that's let right. Let me tell you. They're like, I don't like the title. I don't know right. what it says, but I don't like it. <laughs> right, right, right. That is, that right. is classic. Okay. You know, um, you know, when you start talking about, like, how, how has this played into, like, woke church, urban apologetics, 
apologetics, how has this played into how you disciple um, and pastor at your church? Like, because I know you talk about, especially in Philly, all the things you're encountering, um, you know, on the streets in Philly. And then I think about the history of um, your work, like in the prison system and, you know, and and inner city and stuff. How has that played out, you know, um, in your work in Philly now? Like in your church. That's now. great. So, yeah. so really, to be honest, every book that I wrote comes from mm-hmm. really doing it first. So, I don't usually, I don't. Pretty much, no book that I've written comes out of a vacuum. But woke okay. Church was. I remember um, years ago when you know it was killing the black men publicly got publicized. That when it started is when it got publicized. Mm-hmm. The not killing the unarmed black men <clears throat> got publicized. And I did this thing called Nationwide Solemn Assembly. I I called Mm -hmm. a solemn assembly for the church. It wasn't a big deal, but whoever wanted to join, join. Mm -hmm. And um, some churches in Philly, some uh, Asian churches, white churches, um, um, Indian uh, Indian church or two, um, and and came and said, can we join you all fasting for the week? Mm -hmm. And they came to our church building and because uh, I said, I'm, I said, you need to come here. You know, we always mm-hmm. come to y'all building. Y'all need to come here. And so right. they came here to this neighborhood. Some of them never been around here, really, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they came in and we had an open mic and prayer. Wow. And we asked people how they were feeling. And I can tell you, we, we just had a lament, a time of just lamenting yeah. where people just mm-hmm. came to the mic and just gave them two minutes, e- a minute each or two minutes and just mm-hmm. the weeping that was going on and mm. and a guy admitting his racism and how he's mm. racist and I go to this church and coming in here. And so that type of stuff is what ended up creating an environment from I need to write on this. And we had mm. several of those, um, several of those events like that where we were trying to basically bring churches together so that mm. we can have some dialogue, but then also we can do some work together. We can minister together. And, and 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 that that's been huge in that work. Not only in that, but we're also doing a lot of work with uh, uh, literacy. So right now, we, you know, we're um, ramping up our after school pro, uh, a robust after school program that we're yes. running five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> where we have staff; it's not just volunteers. We're, we we will have Love staff it. that's there. Yes. And um, so so it'll be ro- pretty robust. Um, we had a summer program for kids as well. Where we it. run it through through the summer, and we hire some kids from the community. As well, uh, we have a basketball league that we run uh, that becomes the, the program. It's the program for a lot of the schools around here because they cut the budget of a lot of the school sports programs. And mm-hmm. so our basketball league became the sports program for some of the middle school and elementary schools in the community. And, wow. and so there are other things that I can go on and on and on yeah, about our crisis, our crisis pregnancy stuff that we do as well, yeah. where we know that the abortion rate is high. And so we mm-hmm. uh, partner with a ministry called Alpha Ministries that has a crisis pregnancy truck that has a uh, and they park in our space here. And mm-hmm. they they offer free pregnancy tests and everything that a crisis pregnancy center will ask okay. and, and heartbeat of the child so that we, we can stop our women from... Uh, having abortions and uh-huh. creating options, so it's a lot. Yeah. We worked on it, ended up coming folding into the writing of these books. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I, I it reminded me how um, a church I was a part of um, in Atlanta, how we had leagues, and that league was a huge 
outreach, uh, yeah. you know, from basketball, baseball, all of those things. And so yeah. I love that the the work that you're doing. Um, I follow you on the Insta, the Instagram, the, Insta. <laughs> <laughs> the Instagram. You know how you feel like you know people because you follow them on oh, Instagram that, where you feel like, okay, absolutely. these are my friends, you know, but I actually never met them, don't know yeah, them, yeah, yeah. but they're actually become your friends. And so you posted, um, you said in the era of misinformation, in the era of information, memes and urban legends, biblical literacy is a must. We cannot assume that people understand the faith. Explain this a little bit more, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I remember, you, you know, when the preacher, you say, y'all know the story. You uh-huh. can say that. <laughs> right, right. Because you, you can't say that no more. No. <laughs> they don't know the story. We don't know the story. No, yeah. Nobody's going to vacation Bible school anymore. I know. I know. They go on. They go on. to. They go on to play uh, Minecraft and all of that. That's vacation yep. Bible school. Uh-huh. Tablets, you know, um, yeah. and they go on to summer camps, but they're not going to. And so there is there is no familiarity with the biblical narrative, mm-hmm. um, and I would say um, most Christians haven't been systematically taught fundamental Bible doctrine. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is um, a lot of our people go out unequipped. And particularly young people in the college, in the mm-hmm. workforce, and in the life where and, and, and adults really don't have a framework for the fundamentals. And so when someone like in the conscious community, which is some of the groups that I was talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, say, I'm going to ask you about that. I got yeah, a, I got a good one. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, let yeah, you yeah. explain that. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of times you, they say, like, like a guy said, he was, used to be a Christian. Uh-huh. And I said, I said, that's impossible. And he said, he said, I said, well, you can't used to be a Christian. That's number one. I said, number two, I said, let me ask you a question. Um, when, when did you trust Jesus as Savior? I, I don't remember. I said, were you baptized? Did you get baptized? No. Um, I just went with my family. I said, well, were you involved? Like, I, I, I was asking him all of these questions. I said, do you uh-huh. understand the nature of Christ? Anything. And so I said, I think you went to church. You weren't a Christian. I said... I said, that's that's not good that you say that because you make it seem like you are authentically a Christian and Christianity didn't offer you really anything. And you went into this particular genre of faith mm-hmm. when you really wasn't really rooted in Christianity in a way. Now, there are people out there that were uh, kind of rooted a bit in Christianity in the sense of they were uh, they were involved. But and so uh-huh. uh, but 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 it's very but, but it's so important in my mind. For, uh, for people to learn, like today, because there's so much misinformation out there about Jesus, uh-huh. so much misinformation about Christianity out there, that there is a need for it. Because when you talk about the fact that people say Christianity is a white man's religion, that's a big thing in mm. the black community. Yeah. That's been it. For, that's been like for 80 years a big, yeah, a big saying in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the black community that the nation of Islam basically promoted since the since 1935. And, mm-hmm. and prior, going back to Noble Drew Ali in the, like, 1919, 1916, or, or 1906, mm-hmm. something like that. And when you when 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 you realize that that's a byword, when the Bible talks about a byword, that's a word that becomes a, a slogan saying in a particular culture that becomes mm-hmm. a cultural valued belief. And mm-hmm. so when you look at Christianity being a white man's religion, we have to fight that saying, why would you say it's a white man's religion? Well, I say it was forced on us during slavery. And then we say, well, no. Do you know that Christianity thrived in Africa for a thousand years, from from the be- mm-hmm. from Acts all the way up to post yeah. the the Great Schism? Like, 
Yeah. You know, that there was a Coptic mm-hmm. papacy for a thousand years, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and did you know Tertullian was actually an African? Yeah. Did you know that Origin right. was actually an African? Yeah. Did you know Athanasius? You know, when, when you... No, you, but they don't know. know any of those people. Yeah, and so... Are they, or even if they know them, they thought they were white. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, because, but... It's because, and J. Daniel Haynes, a scholar, a white scholar, great white scholar, Old Testament scholar, wrote an article in 1995 in a periodical on uh, uh, um, um, racism in the academy. And mm-hmm. he talks about how it's known in the in, in conservative academy and mm-hmm. non-conservative academy that there is a tinge of racism in the way even certain words are translated, like mm-hmm. like 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 Ethiopian. Like instead of Nubian, or, 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 or you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, all of those different e- Egyptian, but not knowing that in the twenty fifth dynasty, and talk about in uh, in uh, actually in uh, Isaiah twenty five, I think the first twenty five chapters, mm-hmm. when he talks to Egypt, when he talks to the Egyptians, he's during the time that Isaiah is prophesying, he's not even talking to the normal Egyptians, he's talking to actually. Nubians because the Nubians were ruling Egypt at that time and they were mm-hmm. the they were the dark they were the they were the black people like they me. Look like you, us. you know they were <laughs> right. you know and right. so and so and so not knowing that type of stuff, black presence, that's why you had people like Dr. Evans and uh uh um and uh Dwight McKissick writing on black presence in the Bible because right. there have been ways that we've been trying to work on restore just the whole black yeah. dignity thing just been a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just stuff that we just, we don't know. And, you know, especially like and how it's taught in seminaries, you know. Um, you know, I'm in seminary now, so I'm like taking notes and like, um, but the great thing is I can make suggestions. And so mm-hmm, like, you mm-hmm. know, um, and so like your book is going to go on that list that I'm making, the suggestions I'm making. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah, this, is, this is so good. And so we, you know, I wanted to go back to, because we're hearing a lot about decolonizing. And so when I think about decolonizing, I'm thinking about some of the stuff that we just talked about. Like, so when I talk about decolonizing, I'm thinking about things and how things have been interpreted and how, like, you know, when I would close my eyes, you know, as this 19-year-old girl that became a 20-year-old girl that became a Christian, um, you know, what I saw was white Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, you know, so when, so when I'm talking about that or deconstructing our faith, it doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. And what I'm noticing is some of this deconstructing, like the focus um, isn't on like, idols or things that we made our idols or it's not on sin um but it's like it's the gospel (laughs) you know it's like we some of us are like it's like we just deconstructed jesus out of it you know and so um so explain the need to deconstruct but the pitfalls and the missteps that we must be aware of while we're doing this deconstructing because i hear a lot of this and i think it's leading people to a place what where it's taking them far from christ yeah, and I'm. I, this is a good, that's a a super relevant question. <clears throat> um, I'm actually mm-hmm. about to start a series week after next on deconstructing your faith. Oh, great! Okay. And um, so because I I got to because I passed the most millennials and Gen Z, so I I, know. I, I got to. I know. And so um, yeah. So deconstructing and decolonizing, I would say, is two different things, but can be related. Right. Mm-hmm. Decolonizing um is pulling the way in which um, those who have controlled the academy and history material-wise 
um, pulling out of it the part that's culture, you know, mm-hmm. white culture specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, but deconstructing can decolonizing can be a form of deconstructing, right? Mm-hmm. But right. deconstructing is really it, it's it's multiple forms of deconstructing. Multiple. Okay. Form, there's one form. There's one layer of deconstructing where you're asking a question. You, if you grew up in the church, usually it happens for people that grew up in the church. Usually, people that were horrible or like me and weren't Christian, and you know, was already anti-Christian when he first started college. And uh, you know, we don't we don't go through a deconstruction like mm-hmm. mostly people who all they knew was Christianity yeah. <clears throat> usually go through a significant deconstruction. Because they've never been out in the world usually, and so mm-hmm. or been around where people really answer mm-hmm. questions and so ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. So the deconstructing one layer is is the faith mine. Mm. Um, if you grew up in a Christian home, you say, "Is that my mom's faith or is that my faith? My mom and dad's faith or is that my that's faith?" Good. You know, th- that's that's a major form of deconstructing. That's mm-hmm. which I've been talking. My son is about to go to college next week, and we're talking about that, right? Yeah. Um, Another form of deconstructing is uh, it, it's multiple entryways to deconstructing. It's like when people say that Jesus wasn't a historical person, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, even Jesus, Christianity is the white man's religion. And Christianity's complicitness in racism. What you mm-hmm. begin to do is that person is deconstructing will begin to realize, will begin to think in their mind, man, is Christianity like really a creation that's utilized to just enslave people. I mean, when you look at the history mm-hmm. of Christianity, when I look at history, man, it seems like they were complicit in slave trade. They were complicit in Jim Crow. They're complicit mm-hmm. today because of the way they vote mm-hmm. and act and what they contribute to. And I see so much mm-hmm. hypocrisy. Man, when you look back at the Crusades, mm-hmm. man, they want to look in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, you look in the Bible, God called mm-hmm. for genocide. Do I really mm-hmm. believe that it was okay for God to give those people that land and for him to just kill them. They, they were, he just, he ordered their murder. Why would God do that? Like that, theonomy, mm-hmm. is, a, theonomy is another one where you, the mm-hmm. problem of evil, you know, it, it, all of those things and, and trying to reconcile how is, how can a great God and all of those different things are yeah. people struggling through deconstructing. So deconstructing, actually, I, I was just looking at a video on it because I was look, I was just hearing from young people and what their view of deconstructing is. A young lady uh-huh. said, deconstructing, and this is a very good definition, she uh-huh. said, is the process of reevaluating your core beliefs. Mm. <clears throat> and I thought that was a really, yeah. re- I'm going to use it. It's yeah. a really good definition of, mm-hmm. uh, it's the process of you saying, are these really mine and do I, and, and, and do I have these as beliefs? And what do I need to have at the core of what I believe? And usually, mm-hmm. because Christianity provides for us core beliefs, it's mm-hmm. almost centric, really, to having to be dealt with is as a pillar in someone's life, and th- and that deconstruction can be hefty. That deconstruction, that deconstruction, can be that deconstruction can be. Wow! Incredible insights. Don't go anywhere. We're going to pause for a quick moment, and we'll be right back. Friends, life is hard, and sometimes we need a little help. Navigating the stress of sudden changes in income, health complications, and or the loss of someone close can be overwhelming. Not to mention the stress of the tense time of political and social disharmony. Honestly, at this time, we all could use a little help. Well, guess what? There is help. 
There's help through BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com makes professional counseling. It makes it accessible, affordable, and convenient for anyone who may be currently struggling with life's challenges. If that's you, you can get help anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp.com offers access to licensed, trained, and experienced and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board licensed professional counselors. We want you to start living a happier life today as a listener. And as a Be The Bridge listener, you'll get 10% off of your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash be the bridge. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash be the bridge. So you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. You guys, it's a difficult time and we need these tools and we need a little help to encourage us on the way through betterhelp.com. Thanks for staying with us. Let's get back to our conversation. That's good. That's good. Because I know, you know, we're hearing it all the time. And I love the work that, um, you know, the work that you're doing, but also Lisa Fields with the um, Absolutely. Project. Absolutely. I love what she's doing. I mean, she's killing it. I'm so proud of my folk Be now. <laughs> she's killing it. And, um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, to engage the black community. Um, but then also on the other side of that, like you said, when when other people like our white brothers and sisters under start understanding it and seeing the the connected connecting in the context they can also be a part of the solution because these Absolutely. are not just books that are being urban apologetics is not just for black people this Absolutely. is for Christians, you know, Absolutely. and these are um, books that they should be getting and teaching from. Also, um, I, I believe your books um, can assist in those efforts. Um, you know, are you seeing this understanding of apologetics grow um, in the black community more? Yeah, it's, seeing- it's exploded. Yeah. yeah, because before writing the book, we were all answering different questions uh-huh. online because all of this, all of this deconstruction was coming up. Right. And so I felt like I was like I was getting bombarded by all of these uh-huh. questions and um about the Christian faith, about whether uh-huh. or not Christianity came from Egypt. What do you think about Hebrew Israelites? Do you think we're the yeah. true Israelites? Do you think the Ashkenazis and the Kazakhs are converts or are they ethnic Jews? And I you know, know. And I oh my at, gosh, yeah. You know, and so you just just getting all of these did they hide this from us and sending me conspiracy theory documents? I, oh you know, my goodness, yes. You know everything from the ISIS papers to the the destruction of uh, uh, the destruction of black civilization, Metaneta, yeah. all these different books that were thirty years ago we were reading, and uh-huh. and so you know, and all of those books have new life. Windsor writing his book from Babylon to Timbuktu, and uh-huh. talking about you know the transatlantic slave trade being con- black people just. So answering all those questions, so that's where you know that that's really where it all began yeah. in two thousand twelve ish thirteen, uh-huh. yeah. where yeah. people started asking me a ton of questions, and it was like, man, we have to resource this because I'm I don't I don't I, I don't, and it's not going anywhere. But what's what's beautiful about the resource is now other books, other authors, and you know, in the book they're writing their own books, and so. You know, uh, Jerome Gage just brought out uh, White Washington Christianity. Brandon Washington uh, has a book coming out. He has a deal with Zondervan now. Uh, Tiffany Gill is already a war-winning uh, historian and writer, 
but she's coming out with more work on her stuff. Sarita Lyons is working on the resources. So it's a, it's a lot of people that's working on resources that I think, and so this whole urban apologetics movement is is growing. There are tons of YouTube channels and out there um, now. Uh, you you have True ID podcast. Um, you have Urban Logia with Damon uh, Richardson. You have uh, Urban Perspective, which even though Urban Perspective isn't fully a urban apologetics channel, it it, it it he deals with urban apologetics issues. And you have um, you have uh, uh, um, the Bodega Ladies. The Bodega Ladies are a group of Black women who are female apologists who are really, really into helping answer quite great women. And so it's a lot of people out there. And of course, you three, you know, she's been doing it for a minute. And so that, that it's just, and, and, and this stuff has inspired, really the, the work has kind of inspired other Christians to just be more Christian in how they interact with people in both love and in both being able to give a reason for the hope that is within them and contend for the faith. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love, um, what's happening. A couple of the people I haven't heard of that you mentioned, but the whitewashing of Christianity, that's, um, another, the next one, um, that I want to get. I told you I'm like a little behind. I just heard about that one too. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, 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 it's yeah. so, you know, there's so much that's I happening. There's so many tools out there. So when I sent me a message talking about, um, you know, um, all the books that are coming out to talk about, you know, racism, not being uh, systemic and all these, you know, you're going to yeah, have, yeah. I said, well, those have always been around. That's nothing new. Nothing like, you new. know, there's, first of all, they've always been around. Um, and so, you know, Publishers, you know, money is money to them. So they're going to publish um, books about race and then books That's about, right. you know, right. <laughs> they're going to do it right. all. But it's good to hear, like, what you're saying. One of the things I was telling the person is, like, all of these books, like, I know so many people of color that are getting book deals and um, the message and, and, and writing books is, are not out there. So you think about urban apologetics, just a, a little bit out there. But like you said, like, getting it all, like, the, 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 the depth that your book has like it's just like the beginning because there's so much more that you could have even written about Absolutely. so Absolutely. I know there's going to be even more uh, one of the things you you had um, you did this post and you said um, be careful of what spiritual doors you open um, Deuteronomy 18 9 through 13 and Colossians 2 and 8 um, I wanted you to expound on that because I knew exactly what you were talking about you know yes. and um, because I, I see it um, you know you know and but it's like there's this like fine line so you know explain to the audience really kind of like really what good. you were what what were you talking about um, in that when you said be careful yeah. uh, which spiritual doors you open yeah, so right now, of course, um, a lot of people are ex exploring alternative forms of spirituality. So yeah. a big thing now is, you know, you kind of hear it in slang culture, but that slang culture comes from a spiritual culture. So mm -hmm. if you say, you know, um, you say, um, who's there? Who's a, uh, who, you coming over to uh, so-and-so's house? Yeah, what's the vibe over there? You know, <laughs> right, and, right, and the vibe right. just is not necessarily demonic, you know. Yeah, it can be. But yeah. So but that vibe and, you know, mm -hmm. I, I get bad vibes off of him or her mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And so, you know, the whole burning sage to cleanse the atmosphere, you uh -huh. know, um, all like all that stuff is coming up. Um, uh, uh, talking to ancestors, Yoruba uh -huh. religions like it's, it's right now, people don't realize they think that they're returning to their original 
religions. You're uh-huh. having that with even our brown brothers and sisters who you have them going back to different uh, ancient or or uh, natural religions and yeah. people are more into voodoo now. It's a lot of stuff yeah. like terracotta. Like my wife went to a um, to get her hair done and they had a terracotta reader there for free for people oh, who wanted to. I said, I said the blood of Jesus. And the black salad. <laughs> And I was but, like, see, y'all wild. We used to sell, like, chicken plates and, yeah. and yeah. hair accessories and CDs yeah. and videotapes. You know, tell my son, you know. We we giving readers now. <laughs> right, it right. It used to be, you know, you could go get you, like, you know, some good CDs from there. Yeah, that was like homegirl used to be on TV. Call me now for your free reading. Remember her? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so, it's a slippery slope. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, so people don't understand that, see, I think we don't talk about spiritual warfare enough. Mm-hmm. And see, I, you know, I, I, you know, I got a charismatic side to me. Yeah. So I don't, I don't mess, <laughs> I don't open the door, I don't watch, I don't watch it. I don't, see, I believe, see, I'm, I'm not legalistic. The but, people crawling on the ceilings. Yeah, I don't do that. The, the, the <laughs> devil is the devil's a liar. I can't. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't do play it. it. And when you got kids, it make you more sensitive to it because you you be done watch something. Your kids talking about they don't want to go to bed. I I just don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, you feel funny. You know, you, a, uh, uh, I don't want to uh, be in the house alone right now. Uh, well, I feel, uh, uh, <clears throat> you, uh, <laughs> poltergeist was a duh. Poltergeist Listen, was a duh. That thing was so that traumatized. Coming to the light, for, nah. That traumatized me for thirteen years. Yes, I, I mean, am still traumatized. I was and not I went do to those it. steps because like, I grew up in DC. So uh-huh. I grew up in DC. So I know where the steps are. You know, they right uh-huh. by Georgetown, uh, jo- uh-huh. Georgetown um, uh, University. But uh-huh. yeah, I, yeah. So I, and I'm, I'm, I'm be, and some of this is facetious, but m- most of it is like really like a lot of people are, see their yeah. explorations. As yeah. connecting, and I and one of the right. things I did a I did a I did a video on was talking about the fact that you don't realize that witchcraft is getting illegitimate access to the spiritual realm, and yeah. the reason why God told us based on Deuteronomy eighteen mm-hmm. that He didn't want us to get illegitimate access to the spirit realm that, that that's what those things necromancing and all of those yeah. different things because it opens it 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 opens a door that you can't close on your own. That, I mean, and I tell people, mm-hmm. and, and the people, the people are like, "Wow, what Adam and Eve did in the garden was witchcraft." Yeah, yeah, Not witchcraft. Yeah, they yeah. they talked to the enemy, and they mm-hmm. ate from the knowledge, she knowledge of good and evil. They used a natural something natural to to get to get a higher power. That's what they were mm-hmm. doing. That was mm-hmm. witchcraft. Mm-hmm. That was the first act of witchcraft recorded, and and so and and, and what it did was they got more. They got none of what they asked for, and and, and more evil than they could ever imagine. And that's yeah. what that's what these things do. The devil always overpromises and underdelivers. That's how mm. he rolls. Mm. And, and, and and what ends up happening, you can get your identity. You can get this, and mm-hmm. you see these people trying to astral project, and they trying to you know uh, open their third eye and their chakras, and yeah. you know the the penal gland and all of this crazy mess. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. Like, like you know, like kind of, and then some people even trying to connect to um, culture and history that 
has been lost in a sense, you know, where they're doing that. We were having this conversation with my goddaughter about the stones and, you know, wearing the stones. And I was like, well, you know, some of that is also like God created these stones. Absolutely. So are you putting your faith in the stones? Are you putting Absolutely. your faith in the God that created them? Absolutely. And so, because that's when that becomes an idol. You know, like that's just right. really having her, like, yeah, the stones are beautiful. Yeah. But without people, God, there's no power in the stone. Yeah, you know? I tell people, I tell people, <clears throat> I said, God made sage. Yeah. And I love me some sausage. You get yeah. me? <laughs> um, so sage. <laughs> Pause. But I'm just it's saying. It's a Yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> but, 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 but listen. I'm not, I'm like, sage, do I believe burning sage is wrong? No. Right, right. No. Mm-hmm. Burning incense, is it wrong? No. No. Mm-hmm. No, but if I believe, if I, if I connect it to the spiritual thing that I'm invoking spiritually, yes. then yes, that becomes an open door that affects you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times, it's not just, oh, the boogeyman around the corner, or there's, there's some dark figure walking through my house. Sometimes... Yeah. It's opening the door that, that that can cause you to, and I believe in clinical depression. Yeah, that needs mm-hmm. medicine, but there's also yep. spiritual depression, mm-hmm. right? There's yeah. also there's also uh, can lead to licentiousness. The, the devil yeah. doesn't just come in to scare you; he want to make himself at home and present himself as a buddy, mm-hmm. so that he can cause you to go into all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think I think that because. Uh, he uh, he always offers you something that he knows you desire in mm-hmm. order to get you into something that God doesn't desire for you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so and so that's that's very important for people to ref- and that's cross ethically. You ain't got to be yeah. You know that's that's all of us. Yeah, yeah. we're we're saying it all. You know, with with it's the generation. Like it's it's like the times. It's the culture right now. And right. I think um, you know one of the things. And this is not. And I I don't want people to hear this and like oh this sounds very legalistic. You know, it's 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 not legalistic in the sense where like you know you're saying like there's nothing wrong with sage. Just like but what what are you invoking through that? Absolutely. Like you know what Absolutely. where does your mindset? So I think legal legalism is saying it's all bad. You know, it's like That's you right. know, like don't all TV is bad, cards. all movies don't. are bad. You know, <laughs> don't yeah, play cards. Said, you know? My mama said in the fifties, don't play cards. You know, they used to say that and all of that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, you know, and, and, you know, we hear these, like, I know you keep saying, like, you heard this these statements of, you know, Christianity being a white man's religion. Um, we we kind of know where this 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 myth comes from. Um, how do you engage that argument? And um, just recently, I got to see some of the pages of the, um, the slave Bible. Yeah. And, I mean, first of all, there's, like, only two chapters of Genesis, like, um, like... Like I, I'm trying to think. Maybe That's only hilarious. a couple chapters of Exodus. I mean, there's like, especially the minor prophets, like all gone. <laughs> wow. Ain't no such thing as Micah. Like, you know, like it's just like all gone. You know. And so when you think about that, oh my God, I'm like the audacity. Like, oh my goodness. Absolutely. Like, you know, changing the entire Bible to oppress. Like, I mean, I don't know if we will ever understand the um the weight of all of that and then to see how our people our ancestors still held on to this faith that's right 
that was like, I mean, that just, that just blows my mind. You know, what, you know, we know that's where some of this is coming from. And, you know, and we talked about that, but, you know, where do you feel like, you know, some other things that people are, are, are thinking when they say this is the white man's religion, um, you know, is it, especially as we look at the church now today and what's happening culturally. Yeah. The white Jesus, the image of white Jesus. Uh-huh. There's a guy named um, Umar Johnson, and he's he, and I agree with this thing. I don't uh-huh. agree with everything he said, but he uh-huh. said the white Jesus is one of the most damaging, the, one of the most damaging things that's yeah. been presented to the black community. Yeah, and and people don't people say, well, what color? His color doesn't matter. Now I say, well, why did you paint him white if it didn't exactly? Matter? You know, exactly. um, the color doesn't matter. Why even paint him? But yeah, so <clears throat> so. I think yeah. that that the image of Christ has been a center of mm-hmm. that whole idea for so long that it's effect. I mean, people say, not only are you oppressing me, you put me into slavery, but when I look up, I see Jesus looks more like you than me, mm-hmm. which what does that do psychologically to a person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or people, you know? And so that type of stuff, that type of stuff right there. Is, is, is a major thing. The Bible's been changed. That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, there are an infinite amount of arguments about that. You know, the Hebrew was a created language and it wasn't created mm-hmm. until the Septuagint 250 years before Christ. And, you know, and uh, uh, the, 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 the process by which the, the, uh, the, the Septuagint was translated and then uh, then talking about the Bible, uh, 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 you know, was, was, was created in Europe. Jesus was created at Christianity was created at the Council of Nicaea, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I have to say, you know, and I and I asked someone, well, if Jesus was created at the Council of Nicaea, I asked them, who was there? Is that- I said, tell me who was there. Name name ten people that was at the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> They're like, uh, uh, how many bishops were? How many bishops were invited, and how many actually came? Who was the main spokesperson? What was the issues that was talked about at Nicaea? Uh-huh. You know, and, and then then um, then I went to my I, I got I got two copies of the Church Fathers, uh-huh. all volumes, and and I said I, we have the the documents from what was dealt with at Nicaea right there on my shelf. Yeah. So yeah. and I said and so just being uh, just all, all those different types of things, but there's so much folklore going on right yeah. now uh, against Christianity that, that uh, you know um, the other one. This is a big one. This is a uh-huh. real big one. Uh-huh. Um, that um, Christianity promotes misogyny oh. um, because because okay. when a woman gets raped, she uh, Exodus twenty two, Deuteronomy twenty two, she she has she's forced to marry her oppressor, you know stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. Having to yeah. answer that question with people about um, why why would the Bible write that? You know, these are a lot mm-hmm. of it's huge, right? Mm, yeah. and that's not just black people too. And yeah, so it's, it's very yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, when you, when we talk about this, there was something you said, like you know, like uh, uh, justice as a, a a kingdom issue, and I think that's that's the mindset that I have. Um, you know, like understanding the kingdom of God and God's kingdom agenda um, is separate from, is different from right. um, empire, you know? And so how do you, right. how do you see that? Cause you, you, you talk about that too, a little bit in your writing. Hold on, when you say empire, explain what you mean by that. Well, like, well, like the, like the systems of the world, 
like the systems of the world when you talk about the kingdom of God and like the systems of the world, like like the U.S. or you know, like that that is justice is not just something that's a U.S. problem, but when right. we start talking about the inclusive kingdom of God, this is stuff like Afghanistan. This is right. stuff like you know all God's people, you know. Right. So and and so that's kind of like what I'm referring to. So the question, though, I, I want to make sure I got Oh, the no, I'm right. just saying, yeah. how do you, 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 you kind of wrote that, you said that, and justice oh, is seeing oh, justice oh, oh, as a kingdom gotcha, issue. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. How do you, it is a kingdom <laughs> how do you, yeah yeah, 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 how do you view gotcha. that, you know? So, you know, in Matthew 23, 23, um, uh-huh. it says, you know, Jesus says, um, woe to you Pharisees and Sadducees, mm-hmm. for uh, you, Tadil, Met, and Cumin, but mm-hmm. you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, mm-hmm. mercy, justice, and faithfulness. Right. And and Jesus basically calls one justice one of the most important issues in God's mm-hmm. word. That's a huge statement. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and so when you when you look at the fact that um when you look at the fact that um um, that's a very important thing in God's word. It's mentioned so much in the Bible, yeah. um, and it's talked about in the Bible. Um, it ha- and, and we're biblical. If we're biblicists and we do biblical theology, you mm-hmm. know, we were taught in hermeneutics class that uh-huh. repetition is a sign of emphasis. Mm-hmm. So, so, so if if repetition exegetically is a sign of biblical emphasis then we need to emphasize what God emphasizes. And if yes. Jesus pulls justice as a hermeneutical lens to use in mm-hmm. interpreting the Bible, we should. And um, yeah. and really, the, the point of justice all through our scripture is to know right and wrong and to judge wisely and rightly based on scripture and right wrongs. Mm-hmm. That's... At the end of the day, if we right. distill it all down, that's what justice is, because justice is a reflection of God's character. Right. <clears throat> and so right. and so now, uh, fundamentally, in, in many ways, justice is the center of the gospel. Why is the justice yeah. in the gospel? Because Christ, uh, 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 because Christ uh, satisfied the wrath of God justly, mm-hmm. not right. unjustly, even though he right. died an unjustly death. Uh, right. We didn't receive justice. Mm. Jesus received our justice so that we wouldn't have to experience God's judgment. Right. That's the gospel, right. and so and so it's such an important, it's mm-hmm. such an important. I mean, one of God's perfections, His essence. Right. It's justice, right? Yeah. You know, I don't. I know. I know. They argue about is it is justice an expression of his character or isn't? Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. And like, it goes hand in hand with righteousness. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, <laughs> right, and so, right. And so, and so, I just think it's. I think when we talk about justice, you can't be a Christian and not deal with justice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's unchristian to ignore just uh, to ignore justice. It's, yeah. yeah. Yep. I heard you talk about that, and I just had to get that. There's so many things, but I know we have to come to an end. But um, <laughs> I wanted to say this: you you were talking about, and I've been talking to several black pastors, and um, what I heard you say, I think you were you were teach. I think it was one of your um, a series that you were teaching, 
and you were talking about like how, you know, I think your your church is predominantly black, but you have a lot of white people that come to your church. You well, know? it used to be multi-ethnic until I started preaching yeah. justice. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I was like. <laughs> like. And you were talking about that where a lot of a lot of black pastors I know that have multi-ethnic churches now that they've started focusing on justice or teaching the full gospel um, you know, they've had white flight. And one of the things you were saying is like, you know, you were talking about how a lot of people are coming in uh, to the church and a lot of white people are, are attending the church, coming to, to the message. And, you know, you think you're doing something. You said, but you're not in small group. You're not engaged socially. You're That's not right. engaged relationally. Right. Like, what is that? Like, what you know, so how are you a part of this community when you're not engaging with it? That's and right. that's not, that's a conversation I'm having with a lot of pastors where you do have like this, um, maybe this multi-ethnic and multicultural um, thing. But when it's a black pastor, what I'm seeing is uh-oh, uh-oh, the white uh-oh, people. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Are not as engaged socially and relationally, and then the whole dynamic of even some of the good white folk when it comes to having a black pastor, the nuance, like just the the issues that are dealt with, and like they would never name it. That's right. But they would make every excuse. And then, you know, they disappear. But, I mean, I just have this conversation. I go to a church like that also. Yeah. My church is multi-ethnic. And the more that we focused <laughs> on, on uh, the, the full gospel in that sense, um, yeah. you, you've seen that happen. Um, but yet and still, you don't see that. And, uh, well, I'm seeing a decline in um, black people at predominantly white churches, too, you know, especially with everything, you know, um, oh, that Lord. has happened. But, I mean, there has to be a study on that, too. Like, Can you, can you but, imagine, can you imagine you, having to answer to Jesus uh, that you left a church because the pastor was calling you to value a person because they weren't treated justly? Can you imagine mm. standing before Jesus no, I can't answer that question. No, no. I mean, that, that's, and I think I, everybody that's listening need to picture themselves and see that. <laughs> you know, to see wow. yourself like what, what, what excuse will you have? What words would you have? And to really think about the underlayers of that, like you know, when you don't want even a black pastor telling you what to do. That's right. You can't receive, you know, right. um, from from that type of letter, leadership. I had this one black pastor tell me um, he had some um, uh, some white members and, you know, they were like, you know, I don't, I, you know, sometimes I don't invite people to church because it's like, you know, we're, we're um, it's like, does the church have to be so black? Wow. Talking about the worship style. And then they said, like, why do we have to celebrate? Like, why do we have to celebrate Black History Month? And I'm thinking, like, what did you say? Like, that's just like, that's almost just say, like, just leave. Just leave. Yeah. (laughs) Just leave. Why are you here? You know, yeah. Have you had to deal with any of that? Not no more. I I just refuse. (laughs) Listen, I used to be stressed out about that, sis. And then I got uh-huh. to the point where um, I, I had to read John John 15. Every branch in me that bears fruit, I prune it that it may bear more fruit. Mm. So, Amen. I, so I was just like, you know what? I, I, I love everybody. I love my brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ that are white. Um, mm. However, only some of them can handle... <clears throat> 
not, not having a pastor that's white. That's yeah. just the bottom line. And yeah. and then they'll talk, they'll say stuff and do stuff with me that they would never say to their white pastor. Yeah. Ne- yeah. Ne- I mean, they would never say it, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. and I'm even even some African Americans as well who are more culturally blind to how mm-hmm. they view white people. That's the yeah. that's the, that makes me even more mad. Yeah. I um, know. because yeah. if a white man says it, it's game. If if the black man says it, we got to question it and research it, you know. Yeah. And so um, to see, we got to question him by going to a white man, even though I have more degrees than the one you're going to, to yeah. add, to see if what I'm saying is correct. So, right. it, you know, and I, that's that's very, that's a, that's a hyper minority. But yeah. I just think that, uh, you know, just the challenge with the way the church is now, you want, I, I used to say this all the time, people got mad at me and I don't care if they get mad again. You won't, you will know racial reconciliation is happening when white people can submit to black people. Yeah. Yeah. When, they, you can, yeah. when you can submit to a black person without without kind of this tinge of uh-huh. cultural and heart frustration, but it, uh-huh. it, it be willful submission to black uh-huh. leadership, even even if, if, if black women are leading in the church uh-huh. and the white women can submit to that black woman, uh-huh. And I feel like she has to be her consultant. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. You, you, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know, you know, because sometimes there's that passive aggressiveness that can come. I'll be under your leadership, but I, but as long as I can influence you, it's just yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can teach you something. Yes. And show you, yes, you know, yes. show you how to yes. make this uh, That's right. more of a multi-ethnic church. Yeah and, then, yeah. and then what ends up happening is they don't know. And then. The ones that, um, it's funny, I'll have a panel on race and uh, and somebody will say, you know, why we don't have any white people up there? It's like, <laughs> what did you just say to me? Right. You know, what? so. Why are you, so, why are you talking? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that, I think that, um, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's very important that there just, there just be a racial IQ growth in the body of Christ. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, I know your your, your son just graduated. Um, you um, you know, you just talked about like to, I had a question where it was like I was gonna ask you what does reconciliation look like to you, but you just nailed that one. It looks like when uh, <laughs> white folks submit. To- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Submit to That's black right. leadership. You know, what are you still learning? Uh, what are you still learning, and uh, what are you still lamenting? I'm still learning that I have a lot of growth. Um, uh-huh. You know, I don't feel like <clears throat> I read enough. <clears throat> I just feel like I'm always you behind don't the feel curve. Like you read it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just don't feel like I feel like in so many things in my life I'm behind the curve. Okay. Um, that I'm fighting to be ahead of the curve and, and that uh-huh. type of thing. So I think that's uh, which makes me hungry, and I'm always. Yeah. Um, you know, striving and working with, yeah. you know, Colossians 129 with the energy that he provides. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 What what things are you lamenting? Oh, man. I'm, I'm lamenting. One of the heaviest things I'm lamenting is the fact that the neighborhood that we, our church is in, uh, half of the schools are closing down, are closed, actually, not closing down, are closed. And so mm. kids are packed into classrooms, 35 to 40 in a classroom. And mm. um, and um, a lot of the churches are closing in the community. And mm. so that's a huge... I was driving around the community, and I do a prayer drive 
either, mm-hmm. or, you know, once or twice a week. And, you know, and I just scoured the community because it's an urban area. So everything yeah. is changing all the time. Right. And I'm seeing <clears throat> churches that um, have a no occupancy thing on the front where mm-hmm. the, because the church is falling apart. And so they, they're not allowed to meet there. Church ends up closing. So mm-hmm. it's 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 been that that's something I've been lamenting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, the last thing is, I know your um, your your wife. Um, she had some health challenges the last couple of years, and so I yeah. know uh, me and a lot of people have been praying. How's she doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> my wife's doing a lot better. She still deals with chronic illness. As a uh-huh. she doesn't really know what di- what every day is going to be like. You right. know, whether emotionally or physically. Mm-hmm. So she's still dealing with it, but as far as the way she's been hospitalized and gone through those different things, it's not as intense. It's just, uh-huh. it's just more out of a you know. Last few years was a ten, you know, but yeah. right yeah. now she's probably about at a three or a four. So okay, yeah. well that's mm-hmm. good. That's good yeah. to hear. You know, just just so people know how to be praying for you. Yes, I appreciate as, that. You know, praying for you and praying for your family. Now the last final thing is you are working on something next. I know you're working on a lot of stuff, but I saw this thing called Tour of the Lands of the Bible. That's right. That's right. It's with with you and um, a whole bunch of folk. Yeah, Brian Loritz, um, Brian uh-huh. Loritz, and um, Albert Tate and, La- and Lecrae ended up coming on too. <clears throat> so we're going on a tour, Land of the Bible. We're um, a part of a tour um, uh-huh. that, that we're a part of, and we're going over to Rome. We're going to Israel. We're going to Greece. And we're going to Turkey, and it's going to be a cruise, and we're going to get off of those different stops and that are key key biblical spots like in Corinth and Colossia and uh-huh. uh, Jordan and uh, parts of Judah and we'll go to those different places and we will do biblical devotions at those locations. Okay, and so where can people find more information about that? Well, the uh, so um, that will be, let me pull it up. <laughs> you and know, we can add it in the show notes, so don't yes, worry. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it, it's it's called Land of the Bible Cruise, and if you put that in Google, it'll just come up. Uh, okay. But it's EO dot travel forward slash Bible Cruise twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, and and we'll make sure that we put that information up for people Appreciate to find more it. information on on it, and then where to find you, um, and then also you can purchase um, Dr. Mason's books at wherever books are sold. Um, right. You have a, a church podcast. Um, I think like a lot of your sermons are on yeah. um, on on podcasts, and um, I, I want to say are they on video too? Yeah, they're on YouTube. Epiphany. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube and stuff. So. And so I saw that, you know, we can't talk about all these heavy things without ending with something a little bit like, um, you're a foodie, you're a foodie. Yeah, I got issues, I got issues. You got issues, right? And so you're in Philly. And so for those of us who have the makeshift Philly subs, what's the best place in Philly to get a sub? What's your favorite? Uh, It's according to which kind, because a lot of people don't know. Philly is the sub capital of America. Um, okay. Okay. So, um, so, so, uh, 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 you know, when you're looking at a cheesesteak, it's a couple spots I would go to. Uh, the the uh, you got to go to the original spot. I would, you know, Philly people gonna do like this. They say it's commercial, <laughs> but how's the first place commercial? They, the first place uh-huh. Pat's. I would go Pat's, Delisandro's, uh-huh. and uh, and John's John's roasted pork. Um, okay. He does it. <clears throat> but then the other thing that people don't know that. Roast pork is a big Philly staple as well. Oh. Roast pork roast pork sandwiches. 
it's it's tender pork, and they put some people put broccoli rabe on top, or uh-huh. um or uh or, or I, I like spinach, or you just say greens, and then okay. and then you and then they dip it in the au jus, Lord Jesus, uh- <laughs> change your life. And, oh, then, really? and then hoagies, <laughs> hoagies, you can go anywhere. I mean, okay. there's so many hoagie spots in Philly just to, okay. get, to get a tire because it's a lot of Italians in Philly. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I love that. Um, that water ice y'all got up there. Yes, ma'am. Water yeah. ice will change your life. <laughs> change your life. Right. Right. Philly I got a chance to. Um, flavors, yeah. Yeah, I got a chance to come there um, at this. It was Voices. They had something a couple years ago um, at, um, what's the church? I always forget the name. Huh? Is it 10th Breath? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so that had to be 10th Breath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. um, Oh, no, it was the Voices um, Voices. Conference. Yeah, the Voices Conference. I forget the name of it. Um, The the guy who um, founded... um, I'm, it's slipping my mind. Amy Zine. I can't think of him. Oh, you talking about? Oh, you talking about Mother Bethel? He, yes, yes. I think that's yeah, Bethel Amy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Bethel yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. where we went. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for your time. I had like fifty thousand other questions that I didn't get to. It's all good. <laughs> I had a great time to get to to ask you. Um, but just um, people will pick up your book and continue learning. You know, one of the great things is like. You know, um, Be The Bridge, we do a lot of discipleship work, you know, and so, um, you know, and so this this is like a, I, I consider these resources and tools to help people um, know Christ better, you know, because as we know That's each right. other better relationally, it helps us to know um, Christ better. So, um, yes, thank you so much for thank coming you. on, taking the time. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.